Hello, sir. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Nice. Um, I don't seem to be able to experience bad weather here. Yeah, lucky you. What were you doing today? Yeah. Well, uh, today actually was a really productive day. Started at home, and then I went to a coffee shop, uh, which was outdoors, like covered but outdoors. And then after getting a good amount of stuff done, I went for like a kind of a long beach walk. Oh, man, it's a hard life. I'm kind of living my best life right now. <laughs> it sounds like it. Yeah. Um, had a friend come visit for uh, one night. Man, it's, it's so fun for me to like go explore and find cool stuff and then like have someone coming down and be like, check out this and check out this. Mm-hmm. I really love playing a uh, tour guide. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just keep that rolling. I mean, you got to do that with uh, with NanoConf last uh, or a couple weeks ago and I got friends. It's cool. Yep. Yeah, yeah. It's good. I did ship some code today. Got a PR merged. We're now on the uh, device authentication gem. Very exciting. Woohoo. So how long did that project take then? All said and done. Uh, how, uh, that was probably like 20 hours or something. Okay. Not too bad. Spread out over a fair amount of time. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't have been too bad if I had, but I kept sort of having interruptions happen. So it took longer than I thought it would, but it's on staging and it works and we merged it. And so hopefully all the QA stuff will pass and we'll just go to production soon. Very nice. Cool. But not too much has happened in, in my world. So I was curious uh, what's going on with you. I heard you might have some things to talk about. Yeah. So it's been a pretty active week um, so far in Static Kit world. I had a an initiative that I've been working on for a little while finally went live. And that is my official integration with Zite, which is uh, one of the two big hosting providers in the ecosystem for static sites. So I'm very excited about that. Yeah, I saw that. It looked very official. Yeah. Yeah. I've been in touch with them Kind of got in touch with some folks from there early on when I just kind of initially introduced Static Kit to the world. I think they kind of took notice and said like, hey, this looks really cool. I think this would be really handy for our customers and we'd like to help you be successful. And so that was really that was really nice that they were so willing to be involved and you know let me know like what I can do to be basically promotion worthy for them. They have kind of an integration platform that they, I think they rolled out earlier this year. So you can basically build a mini app that will render inside of their interface. So you can say like, I want to install Staticit into my Zite account. And then when you do that, it'll do a little OAuth thing and like connect up to my service and then store a token in my little app thing. So I can render basically a, a representation of someone's Staticit account right there inside of their UI. So um, so it kind of just eliminates the need to like jump between different things. If you want to just spin up a form, you can just click over to that integration in your Zite account and click add form and boom, there you have it. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Integrations can be a powerful marketing channel as I've experienced, you know, over the years with different products and stuff. So it'll be interesting to see what, what the numbers look like, you know, how many people are Zite customers and looking in the integrations directory and stumbling across static kit and finding it useful like it'll be kind of yeah it'll be interesting to see what that turns out to be i mean i don't i don't really come in with any pre-existing expectations because these things vary pretty widely but nevertheless it's a nice link to have and a nice you know place to be listed so i'm stoked totally do they take a cut of your revenue or is it just nope nope i mean i built the integration which you know so i got to i got to build it my way which is kind of nice as opposed to like trying to tell someone <laughs> on another team like this is how i want my integration to look inside of your app you know that was cool but yeah no it's just purely uh standard like kind of listing in there and, and no revenue share so hmm. nice yeah 
you mentioned that like someone like reached out to you and was just sort of being helpful. And I remember when I was talking to someone from, I think it was business development at Slack, I kept having this feeling like, why are you being so nice to me? Right. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, I guess it's, that's just like literally your job is yeah. to like build this kind of connections and be helpful in this way. Yes. Yes. It was a confusing feeling for a while. I was mm-hmm. like, is this a scam or something? Like, why, why is this so helpful? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I'm always um, trying not to be too you know, naive or something or, or think that like, oh, they really just want to help me. Like, maybe there is an ulterior motive here. And so I was kind of had my guard up for a little bit, but it became pretty clear pretty quickly that like, nope, they just... They just recognize like another person in the ecosystem who's doing something interesting and, you know, it's to the benefit of their customers too, if they discover it. So yeah, yeah. it's pretty cool. Yeah. Sometimes there are just win-wins. Yeah, totally. Yep. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So stoked about that. And I have a Zapier integration also that I finished up that I'm just waiting on approval to get listed publicly in their directory. So that'll be another, another nice integration to have. It feels like your pace is really good. I'm happy with the pace too. Like being able to invest a lot of my kind of product efforts into things that will also have a marketing impact, which is kind of where I've been trying to stay. I've tried not to veer too deeply into like long running features that building into the product when I don't have a ton of users, I don't have a ton of information. Like I'm trying to really stay focused on like anything I build. Um, I want it to, to have some marketing juice to it. And I feel like I've been able to knock out a fair number of those recently. Yeah, I mean, it's it's an interesting contrast between like now and level, at least from my perspective, it feels pretty different. Yeah, yeah, for sure. feels different to me too. Huh, cool. I wonder if even just that, that like single experience is shaping like what you're doing now. I imagine mm-hmm. it has to be. Oh, yeah. A lot of the way I'm choosing to move forward is a reaction to what didn't go well with level, which I guess is that's what you want, right? You want it to be a, a learning experience. I mean, I have to be careful not to overcorrect and like <laughs> swing too far in one direction and be too, you know, reactionary or something. But I think it's been a positive force and function. I wouldn't be surprised to see this going better with the level experience behind you. So many of the reasons that like Tuple has gone well, I think have been because I've made mistakes on previous things, or I have, you know, I've learned useful things on previous apps or projects that I'm able to pull into this and just sort of short circuit. Yeah, yeah. Let's see, a couple other notes. I invested a ton of time into building out docs. I think of it as like, if I can make my docs as good as like Adam has made the Tailwind docs, then I will be happy, you know? Because <laughs> <laughs> a high I like, bar. I feel like he sets a very high bar on like just quality. Like every time I consult the Tailwind docs, it's like I was I mean, basically I'm able to immediately find what I need. And it has a nice example that just perfectly explains the, the thing that I'm trying to figure out. If you're building developer tools, I think that bar is should be similarly high. Like if you're really trying to have a really great developer experience, I mean, having good docs is a is a key part of it. And so I wanted to make sure that I was trying to at least keep up in that regard with my level of documentation. And so spent some time in the last few weeks building that out. And I think I shipped that maybe last week sometime. But yeah, I'm pretty happy with with how that's come along. Well, I mean, um, you're kind of a jerk for being so good at the design part, too. <laughs> well, I'm trying to definitely leverage my unfair advantages as much as I can. If I feel like I'm pretty competent at design in this area, then how can I like push it to its to its limit and try to like really execute well? Um, All the static kit stuff I've seen so far has looked awesome. Oh, so thank you. You're, you're, you're nailing it. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, another thing I've been thinking about, and I thought maybe we could do a little bit of... Uh, do a little brainstorming is I've been thinking about my pricing. I've heard that on the street that you, uh, you like talking about pricing. 
Hmm, I've been accused of that before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I thought I would just maybe lay out, lay out kind of where things stand today and then what, what I'm tossing around and maybe you can uh, lend some insights as they come to you. So my pricing today is basically freemium that is then tiered by the number of submissions that you receive on your forms. So the free plan includes up to 100 submissions a month, as many forms as you want. And then as soon as you cross over the 100 submission limit, then the base tier starts at $10 a month for up to 1,000 submissions. And that's $10 per site. So if you have multiple websites, each with a contact form on them, say, then you would pay $10 per site and have that 1,000 limit on a site on a per site basis. And so the thinking behind this is like, one, like the hosting providers in the space like Zite and Netlify have kind of a similar freemium approach. Now, granted, they're, they're both funded, I believe. So, so in a different position from an economic standpoint, but the idea is like, make it super low barrier to try it out, experiment with the with the product, use it on personal sites, use it on hobby projects. You don't have to worry about putting a credit card on file. You can just have the technology and learn it and fall in love with it. And then eventually when you have, you know, kind of a business use case or recognize a use for it at work, then then like it kind of naturally falls more into the paid tiers. There are definitely some cons with this. The kind of the ones that I've thought of is like there's there's really no time urgency when someone is using the free plan as basically an extended trial. So like if you're if you're a company and say you just don't have that high of volume, then you can easily just kind of stay on the free tier, which kind of leads to the next con, which is like submission volume is not necessarily a perfect proxy for value delivered. If you have a form and say like you're collecting super high value leads and you get very little traffic and very few submissions to your website, but when they do come in, they're extremely valuable to you. Then there's like a potential for there to be kind of an imbalance of like of value delivery versus, you know, money paid. So so those are things that just are kind of on my mind. Like, I don't know if this is worth changing up at this point, but I kind of thought it might be interesting to explore, like, what are some of the other, you know, other ways to approach pricing this? And like, should I be changing it now? Or should I be experimenting now? Or so I don't know. Do you have any like initial gut reactions to the way the pricing is right now? Anything like jump out at you as like, ooh, that's not good. So just from the hip, the freemium thing makes a lot of sense to me. I think for a developer tool where your premise is like, look how seamless this is compared to a more annoying process. The more seamless you can make it, the better that will actually work. So that this was always kind of a disconnect with form keep is like, we had like credit card up front forever, I think. And people were like, always annoyed by it. And people kind of made that that point to me. And I was like, that's actually a pretty good point. And I never did anything about it, but I think it's I think it's true. If you become a standard part of someone's toolkit and a thing that they really know to reach for when they have this need, that's great for you. And I think that I think that model would basically has a strong chance of of working. So I, I like the the basic shape of that. The problem of submissions aren't necessarily a good proxy for value. I don't think there's a way around that. That's pretty hard, I think. Like I agree you're right. And that just might be like one of the inefficiencies of the business, perhaps. One thing that might help with that is it's probably the case that the more important the leads are to you, the more likely it is you're going to want to use something like a Zapier integration to send it somewhere else. If you send it to a Google Sheet, 
it's probably kind of a little bit more important than if you just dump into email. Maybe. I don't know. Yep, that makes sense. That's something so that's another good good area to explore is like basically gating off features outside of the the free tier. And I could see going kind of either way on that. Like on the one hand, I like the idea of giving away like the full featured thing at the free tier, provided that I could structure it in such a way so that businesses will upgrade once they're like really in production and getting value out of it. If you can go in and like, oh, I wired up all this super cool stuff and I'm on the free plan right now. Maybe it's for my mm, personal stuff or something. And I'm just like a nerd and I like to do insanely complex things for for personal projects or something, you know? So I kind of like the idea of someone being able to play with the full extent of the power of the tool without having to move into a paid tier. But on the other hand, maybe that's not really something I should be too concerned about, you know? Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. It seems like worth playing with these things a little bit, I think. If you see that leads are going into something like a Salesforce, that's a pretty different use case than other things. So that might be like one of those high value things like, oh, we have a native Salesforce integration kind of thing. And that one costs more or something. One of the thought is, um, one thing we tested in FormKeep was making a form free in, we called it sandbox mode. So basically sandbox mode would let you have up to 10 submissions. And then after that, it would sort of start throwing submissions on the, on the floor. And you could go in and you could delete the 10 and it would fill back up. And so if you were really cheap and it wasn't important to you and it was a low vo- like a low volume form, maybe you just go in and delete the submissions as they come in and then you can use it for free forever. But if you're a business, you pretty quickly would be like, this is silly. I'm just going to pay for this. Right. Hmm. Yeah, that feels like a good way to potentially lower the limit. Because like 100 is actually, I don't know. I feel like for a lot of use cases, 100 submissions a month is quite a lot. Unless you're really receiving tons of people submitting your contact form or something. I mean, it depends on what you're using the form for. Then you could very easily just be a business who receives fifty a month, and like that's it, and so you'd be flying under the radar. So I feel like that—that's kind of an interesting approach to lowering the limit pretty low, and then giving you a way to basically jump through some hoops if you really want to like be able to squeeze more out. <laughs> and I can see you doing that. That's really kind of indicates that it's for a testing only use case. Like if you're just you know sending through test submissions or something. Um, mm-hmm. This is kind of counter to what I was saying before, where it's like if you want to play up your convenience yeah right right you're kind of crippling that a little bit it definitely feels stingy like my initial reaction is like oh man they're making me do all this work like and that's not really the perception i want to you know build in users necessarily so Mm -hmm. um, yeah i think you could kind of just say like yeah it's not a perfect metric like number of submissions but whatever if that's what i'm going to do here and if it's a high volume form, you pay for it. And if not, then whatever. Mm-hmm. Now, I think FormKeep is priced by forms instead of submissions, I believe. Um, yeah, I think that's true. I think that's where it ended up when I when I left. I think that's where we were. I don't know if you recall, like, were you ever submissions based and moved to forms based? Or like, what did you think was behind that? I, I don't really remember. I, I probably just wanted to charge more money. Yeah. But I'm not sure. Yeah. Which is interesting because I just had an experience with like a paying customer who literally sent through like 120,000 submissions in a month. <laughs> and so, and so um, things like that make me very leery of doing like unlimited submissions, pay per form. If you have someone who really has a high volume coming through, then um, you're better off charging by submission. But maybe that's 
maybe that's the uh, the exception, not the rule. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> danger. <laughs> when we were when I was running it, at least we never had any scaling problems. Really, like submissions were are pretty lightweight. It's like a single HTTP request, and it's pretty easy to dump that in a database, and it was just kind of fine. Anytime I just hear like hundreds of thousands, it feels like there should be a lot of money attached to that. But maybe that's not necessarily the case. You know? No, I mean, it, it probably, I mean, if you can, it probably should be. Yeah, yeah. Are you like kind of negotiating one-off things for your higher usage people then? Right now I am, yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That feels right to me. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I honestly think that's like the right way for a while is to just kind of like have some sort of pricing. But then like as soon as it doesn't fit somebody, talk to them and try to figure out what does. Yeah. Yeah. And eventually you'll kind of realize, okay, here's a here's a scheme that works for us, more or less. Right. I'm mean, still in discovery mode on like where where are people intending to use this for what use cases. And like, I don't know, if I got a lot of agencies, for example, who were trying to figure out how to properly bundle things up and pass along costs to their customers, that could really influence the pricing model. I had someone reach out today who was like, I'm I want a price for, you know, a high volume of submissions and I I've been conversing back and forth with them and like they're an agency i believe or you could probably call them an agency kind of model and um and they want to like they have a product and they want to embed some forms in some kind of display product that they have and allow their clients to gather email addresses and so it's kind of a unique setup like might be worth depending on the volume it might be worth me kind of doing a one-off for them but it's kind of nice to just basically have the pricing published in such a way where for those types of things they just need to talk to me you know so i can yes yeah totally i think that's that's a good feature of your current pricing yeah yeah i would say the only or like one of the weaknesses and of the current model is that there's not a clear expansion possibility and i've been seeing the virtues of this now because i've i've seen it now firsthand and it's like oh this is great you want this in there if if possible so i don't know quite what that looks like i guess if you're negotiating some sort of per submission thing then maybe maybe that is built in there i guess actually yeah i mean there is a hard cap on my highest cost plan published which is the base plan <laughs> you know so if, if soon as you exceed a thousand submissions a month then then you get an e- a handcrafted email from me telling you like let's bump you to the next plan so but uh, yeah it's not published yet which is probably well i don't know i don't know how much if that's like causing apprehension from people but it hasn't seemed to have been an issue yet that i've heard at least that like what happens if I go over a thousand? I don't know if I want to sign, try out your service because I don't know what the price is going to be, but it hasn't seemed to be a concern so far. Yeah, I'd be surprised if it were. Yeah. Cool. Well, keep us uh, apprised of what, you're, what, you, what you try. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. One other thing I've been doing, which has been kind of fun, is I set up a, just a simple notification from my app to me anytime somebody signs up. And I have it crafted in such a way so like the reply to address is the person... If I open it up in Superhuman, I get kind of their little like little profile card in the corner that tells me, you know, their social stuff and their full name and and all that, if you can find their info. So I get to like reply back. And I've just been replying back a, a quick note very clearly from me and not automated because it's replying to like a an internal notice from Static Kit. So I think it's probably pretty clear that this is not like a, you know, a drip email. And get to personalize it by pulling in their name. And that's spurred on some good conversations already. Like people have just volunteered up like, oh, yeah, I heard about it through the podcast. Or I heard about it through this this article that I saw. And like I'm trying to install it on this site and I'm having a little bit of trouble. And then I've been able to offer some support or people have just kind of shared their ideas with me. So it's been a cool way to start conversations with customers. And like my volume is definitely not high enough where like 
it's prohibitive to be doing this. So it's just one of those things that things that technically doesn't scale, but is great to do right now. Mm-hmm. No, I love it. That sounds great. I've actually been meaning to get back to that a little bit more. Like I was just looking at my snippets, my superhuman snippets. And I was like, oh yeah, I used to like manually explain all these things to people. I was like, like, oh yeah, here's the explanation of the pricing and this plan and that plan. I was like, oh yeah, th- th- there were good things about those days. Like getting people's objections more directly and all that was, was positive. So yeah. Oh, and one, one more update that I can talk about. Uh, it's actually been official for a little while, but just now talking about it. So I have joined the Tiny Seed Batch. Woohoo. Yeah. How about that? So for those who don't know, Tiny Seed is a it's an accelerator started by Rob Walling and Einar Volset. And it's basically YC for bootstrappers. So non-VC track companies that want to raise a little bit of money, basically sell a, a small slice of their company to Tiny Seed. And in exchange, you get to be part of this kind of awesome cohort that provides mentorship and just kind of a nice community. It's been very cool to be a part of um, and great like camaraderie with other people in the batch, um, which is especially good for me because I'm a solo founder and there's a, there's a number of other solo founders in the group too. So just kind of having this group of people who are all kind of moving, moving in similar directions, but all at kind of a little bit different phases of their businesses, working through challenges and, and just kind of um, being there for each other. It's been pretty awesome. Yeah. So what were the biggest factors that made you decide to do this? The community aspect was a big one. Also, like the money doesn't hurt either. I mean, just being able to to have some some cushion there um, that doesn't purely come out of my own, you know, personal savings um, is definitely nice. Are you thinking about of that money as like funds to deploy towards the business directly or like more like to reduce the burn that you're experiencing personally yeah i'm still i'm looking at it as definitely the former like funds to deploy to to grow the business so like i'm considering experimenting with some paid acquisition down the line or you know i'm i'm going to be attending um jamstack conf in october there's some airfare, there's some hotel, there's some, you know, just expenses around that. And so, you know, that will obviously come out of the company. The thinking is that, you know, I won't be, I won't be paying myself for a while until like there's actually revenue and profit coming in the door. Um, but the money's there to basically, um, to spend on, spend on business things. So. Hmm. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. Hmm. So that's uh, quite a development. Yeah, it is. It was kind of in the works for a while. And so, um, you know, these things kind of always take longer than you expect. There's there's legal things and there's, you know, updating your, your LLC documents to prepare them properly to sell a chunk of it and all that good stuff. So it was a long process, but happy to be happy to be in there. And um, I think it'll, I don't know, I think it'll really, it has a, a bunch of benefits, but like just helping on the day to day and you know, staying motivated and, and all that would be really good. Very cool. I would love to hear like more updates about um, how you're finding that experience. Yeah, for sure. And I'll, I will be um, definitely chronicling that here. Um, yeah. Yeah. You and I chatted about this in the past and my thought was like the social and support aspect sounds really, really useful. Mm-hmm. That sounds like huge probably yeah. as a solo person. Yeah. I was so accustomed to, you know, having a having a slack <laughs> with uh, with colleagues and coworkers in it, um, you know, for much of the drip experience. And there's a certain element to that that you definitely miss when you're when you're solo. So it's been it's been nice. Cool. Well, congrats, man. Well, thank you. Yeah. 
Does this mean you have a, a vanity valuation right now? <laughs> I technically do. Yeah. Cool. Nice. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, excellent. Put that on the wall. Yeah. I will frame it. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Cool. Uh, anything else going on in your world? No, I think that's uh, I think that's it for me. All right, cool. Why don't we just uh, wrap it here then? Let's wrap it. Notes of the show. Notes of the show can be found at artofproductpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. See ya. Bye.